Greetings, traveller. You must have travelled far, you must be weary. Please, come, sit yourself. Sit yourself down in the circle of the firelight. Take off the load from your feet. Rest a while. Let us talk. Let us tell stories. Let us learn new things. But most of all, let us share in a moment of hospitality. It has been a while since I last did this podcast, and for that I am truly sorry, there are many celebrations that we should have been sharing together. I'm not promising that this will be a reliable thing for a while, because I've got to get myself back into it. But I'm going to endeavour to be more reliable. I'm going to endeavour to get back into the habit of recording this podcast, and in truth... There was a mixture of reasons that caused this to drop off. In part, I found myself lacking time due to work commitments that have now eased. But also, there was parts of the source material that I normally read from that I didn't like in terms of how he introduced the Valkyries. But we will talk about that in this episode. As well as, rather than there being a set, conversation piece that I'd be talking about, I want to talk a little bit about how my craft has instead developed, changes, what's happened, and all that interesting things. So it may not interest you, and I understand if you choose to skip this episode, but there's also going to be changes to how I'm going to do this podcast, and I'm going to introduce them here, in the What my plan is, is that I'm going to have a full teaching style one, or a full one where there's a conversation topic focused upon, there's an act of the craft focused upon, as well as a story segment each fortnight. On the other fortnight, it will just be a story, either one related to Norse myths, or one related to Icelandic myths. Um and Icelandic folk tales, and I think that's going to be a better pattern going forward, so that, that way there's both a mix of storytelling, which for me, getting back into having a oral tradition of telling the stories, because then it is so much more true to the old ways, as well as having a way that I can still produce podcasts without putting undue pressure on myself to have a conversation topic every week. I suspect that's going to be the best way going forward. That said, and I feel bad for saying this with me being so long since I last did this, one way that would enable me to spend more time doing this podcast is if you would support me on my Ko-fi. You can either tip one off or you can sign up for membership. It's totally up to you. But that's another way you can support me. I'm still working out ways that I can go ahead and produce content to thank you. Um, but that's that's not for me to work out. So I guess on with the show. So, let me introduce you to today's story. It is Volund and the Valkyries. Now, normally I would introduce the new section, but in truth, 
the introduction to the Valkyrs was what gave me so much problems. So if you do wish to know more about the Valkyrs, I'll be touching a bit about my personal interpretation of them, while also explaining why I don't agree with what my book's interpretation of them says. There's aspects of what the book says that is absolutely true. They were indeed seen as Odin's special attendants, but there's other areas where they're described as um, as being pure white with glistening golden hair that I have to dis- disagree with. It's too close to how Wagner and Nazi sympathists would have seen the Valkyrs, which is why we're not going into that yet. What the mission of the Valkyrs was, however, was generally to come to battlefields or to the sea to snatch Vikings that were in trouble, that were dying, that had fought and died honourable lives, and to bring them to Odin's Hall, where they would be able to feast and be merry and practice their fighting in preparation for Ragnarok. But when they weren't doing that, they were also very much the individuals that would serve the warriors of Odin's Hall at their feasts. But as I'm saying, this time we're talking about Volund and the Valkyrs, because there were a few times where they ignored their job, or when they were even captured. And this may sound very familiar to a story tale. A fairy tale, I believe, by Hans Andersen. But I could be mistaken there. It's a long time since I last read fairy tales. So, with no further ado, this is Voland and the Valkyrs. The Valkyrs were supposed to take frequent flights to Earth in swan plumage, which would they which they would throw off when they came to a secluded stream that they might indulge in a bath. Any mortal surprising them thus and securing their plumage could prevent them from leaving the Earth and could even force these proud maidens to mate with him if such were his pleasure. It is related that three of the Valkyrs, Olun, Alvit and Svanvit, were once sporting in the waters when suddenly the three brothers, Egil, Slagvin and Volund, or Wayland the smith, came upon them, and securing the se- their swan plumage, the young men forced them to remain upon earth and become their wives. The Valkyrs, thus detained, remained with their husbands nine years, but at the end of that time, recovering their plumage or the spell being broken in some other way, they effected their escape. The brothers felt the loss of their wives extremely, and two of them, Egil and Slagfin, putting on their snowshoes, went in search of their loved ones, disappearing in the cold and foggy regions of the north. The third brother, Volund, however, remained at home, knowing all search would be of no avail, and he found solace in the contemplation of a ring which Alvit had given him as a love token, and he indulged the constant hope that she would return. As he was a very clever smith, and could manufacture the most dainty ornaments of silver and gold, as well as magic weapons which no blow could break, he now employed his leisure in making 700 rings, exactly like the one his wife had given him. These, when finished, he bound together, but... One night, on coming home from the hunt, he found that someone had carried away one ring, leaving the others behind, and his hopes received fresh inspiration. For he told himself that his wife had been there, 
and would soon return for good. That self-same night, however, he was surprised in his sleep and bound, and made prisoner by Nidud, king of Sweden, who took possession of his sword, a choice weapon invested with magic powers which he reserved for his own use, and of the love ring made of pure Rhine gold, which latter he gave to his only daughter, Bodvild. As for the unhappy Voland himself, he was led captive to the neighbouring island, where, after being hamstrung in order that he should not escape, the king put him to the incessant task of forging weapons and ornaments for his use. He also compelled him to build an intricate labyrinth, and to this day amazing Iceland is known as Voland's house. Voland's rage and despair increased with every new insult offered him by Nidud, and night and day he thought upon how he might obtain revenge. Nor did he forget to provide for his escape, and during the pauses of his labour he fashioned a pair of wings similar to those his wife had used as a Valkyr, which he intended to don as soon as his vengeance had been accomplished. One day the king came to visit his captive, and brought him the stolen sword that he might repair it, but Voland cleverly substituted another weapon so exactly like the magic sword as to deceive the king when he came again to claim it. A few days later Voland enticed the king's son into his smithy and slew them, after which he cunningly fashioned drinking vessels out of their skulls and jewels out of their eyes and teeth, bestowing these upon their parents and sister. The royal family did not suspect whence they came, and so these gifts were joyfully accepted. As for the poor youths, it was believed that they had drifted out to sea and had been drowned. Sometimes after this, sometime after this, Bodvild, wishing to have a ring repaired, also visited the smith's hut, where, while waiting, she unsuspectingly partook of a magic drug which sent her to sleep and left her in Voland's power. His last act of vengeance accomplished, Voland immediately donned the wings which he had made in readiness for this day, and grasping his sword and ring, he rose slowly in the air. Directing his flight to the palace, he perched there out of reach and proclaimed his crimes to Nidud. The king, beside himself with rage, summoned Egil, Voland's brother, who had also fallen into his power, and bade him to use his marvellous skill as an archer to bring down the impudent bird. Obeying a signal from Voland, Egil aimed for a protuberance under his wing, where a bladder full of the young prince's blood was concealed, and the smith flew triumphantly away without declaring hurt. Without hurt, declaring that Odin would give his sword to Sigmund, a prediction which was duly fulfilled. Voland then went to Alfheim, where, if the legend is to be believed, he found his beloved wife and lived happily, happily again with her until the twilight of the gods. But even in Alfheim, this clever smith continued to ply his craft and various suits of impenetrable armour, which he is said to have fashioned and described in later heroic poems. Besides Balmung and Joyous, Sigmund and Charlemagne's celebrated swords, he is reported to have fashioned Miming for his son Haim and other remarkable blades. There are countless other tales of swan maidens or Valkyrs who are said to have consorted with mortals, but the most popular of all of that is, is that of Brunhild, the wife of Sigurd, a descendant of Sigmund and the most renowned of northern heroes. William Morris, in the land, land east of the sun and west of the moon, gives a fascinating version of another of these Norse legends. The story is amongst the most charming of the collection in the earthly paradise. The story of Brunhild is to be found in many forms. 
Some versions describe the heroine as the daughter of a king taken by Odin to serve in his Valkyrie band, others as chief of the Valkyrie and daughter of Odin himself. In Richard Wagner's story, The Rings of Nibelung, the great magi- musician presents a particularly attractive, albeit a more modern conception of the chief battle maiden and her disobedience to the command of Odin when sent to some of the useful for Sigmund from the side of his beloved Siegland to the halls of the blessed. So that was Voland and the Valkyries. And I've also recorded a few of the other ones which spring to mind reading that story. So there is the story of Icarus, only without the unfortunate ending that Icarus faced. And there's also, it was Swan Lake that I was also thinking of with the Swan Ladies. But there's a lot of points in the old myths where they talk of individuals taking on a different form. And I'm not just talking Norse myths here, but also in the Scottish myths you have the Selkies, the Seal Ladies, you have Kelpies. There's a lot of shape-shifting involved in the old myths. And for me, it's quite interesting how, in this case, the Valkyrs' swan forms are less about tricking, but more similar to the Selkies. It is far more about them just being able to be without doing their duty. Because I would imagine that, at least for the Norse, seeing a Valkyr, in their normal form at least, would be quite terrifying whereas if it's just to travel if you're just seeing a swan flying overhead and you're traveling you would just think oh it's just the valkyrs traveling they're not after they're not actively doing their duty they're just coming to midgard to find a stream to sport into bathe in but those are my thoughts i'm going to discuss a bit more about some of the issues and about my personal perception of how the Valkyries appear. But that's going to be in the next segment along. So let me just explain a little bit about the exact sentence that sent me down this loophole of I've got to work out how to handle this because I don't agree with this. And it's this sentence in the description of the Valkyries that I was like, no, I, I can't see it. These maidens were pictured as young and beautiful, with dazzling white arms and flowing golden hair. Now, the reason that I disagree with it is, while yes, that does describe the primary um, hair and skin type of the Nordic regions, it's also rather too close to what the ideal Orion Aryan human was seen as and for me especially with the fact that there was there'd have been more than just the blonde hair there'd have been brown brown hair there'd have been redheads you know and also with how modern Norse paganism is has spread I also firmly believe that the Valkyrie would not have just been or would not just be now white skinned, but also show many coloured skins. And also there's the fact that even among the Nordic people, they were travellers. They they traded. 
They encountered many other races, and is it so far removed that there may have been some people that saw Valkyrs as olive skin? This is where I believe that how deities show themselves is in part determined by a person's past experiences and experiences with deities and their own personal perception. Are there some things that would always remain the same? Yes. Odin always would have a missing eye, for example. But is it truly wrong that in many ways I view from a personal perspective how lesser deities and even greater deities show themselves to their followers is changeable. It's not set in stone. So that was basically what sent me down this whole rabbit hole because I was left with the situation normally I would have given you the introduction for it but I was like I can't condone this I don't feel comfortable reading this so how do I handle this which is why I made the decision instead to sort of skip that particular introductionary phase and hope that enough of you are familiar with the basic role of the Valkyrs that you wouldn't need that introduction if not, then a quick Google does give you the general role of the Valkyries, and I did give you a rough summary of what they would do. But ultimately, I want to say now that as for how you perceive the Valkyries, that, that is totally up to you, and there is no, as far as I'm concerned at least, there's no right or wrong way on how you perceive them, how you see them. For me personally, I see, when I think of the Valkyries, I think... I do think quite very white skin, but I also have a vision of a dazzling, really, really tall, really powerfully built, dark-skinned Valkyr, whose silver armour or gold armour, I've seen both, really contrasts against the skin that has this almost fierce, regal, queenly expression. You know, my how I perceive the Valkyrs myself, and this is speaking as someone who has no plans of being one of Odin's warriors, even though I worship Odin. I have no plans of being one of... Sorry. I'm recording this when I've just woke up. I have no plans of being one of Odin's warriors. So I have no plans of seeing Valkyrs in terms of being picked up by them. But I still see them very much as multi-race. And I hope that you do as well. But let's move on to the next segment, which is generally a bit of an update as to what I've been up to. So, as promised, you may be wondering about what changes have happened. Well... Pan, one of the deities I work with during spring and summer, he went to sleep during autumn. And I think that's possibly why I am lacking a little, or have been lacking a little bit of energy. However, a new deity has reached out to me. We're still sort of setting up the relationship. That would be Heimdall. Um, I've started doing tarot reads on Twitch every Saturday. And in general, especially over winter, my craft sort of died down. It didn't stop, you know, I wasn't stopping doing my craft, but it was definitely a lot more peaceful, a lot more quieter. I was going through a lot of change last year, such as 
well, I basically moved departments at work and um, was finding a lot of it, a lot of stuff about myself, and I almost needed to step away from everything else and just work out about me. And I'm happy to say that that's actually been done. Um, in terms of my practice, I now consider myself a proficient tarot card reader, and also I have reconnected with something that I used to love doing, which is making fantasy cartography cartography-based maps. I've also been doing a lot of work on the community I've run that initially it was just for Twitch people, you know, the people that watch my Twitch streams, but I'm happy to say that I'm also going to open it up to people who are part of the podcast or who listen to the podcast. We do have a small pagan area and I'm more than happy to expand that as we grow. Now, this may seem a bit of a daft thing to talk about when I'm talking about um, how my craft is, but I figure it's also useful putting out here. I also do create content for Kofi, and there is daily oracle card reads done on there where I, where I use the Moonology Oracle deck at the minute, draw three cards, and go from there. I've also got new books in my collection, including one that I actually forgot that I'd ordered. I think this year the focus for me is going to be developing the Herbal and Green Witch sort of path a little bit more. And a lot of my books are related to that at the minute. So I've got the Green Witch's Garden, which I had on pre-order for so long that I actually managed to forget that I'd got it on pre-order. But it's given me a lot of insight as to what I can do to make a space truly mine. Which, talking about the outside space, which I don't often do, but I'm going to talk about it here anyway. Um, so I've got plans for this year. I'm going to build myself a Cairn-style altar, but that's going to be surrounded by wildflowers. So I'm going to plant myself a wildflower meadow. I've already got the seed mix. It's just a case of lifting a quite a bit of turf. Working out, first of all, though, where the Cairn altar I'm going to build. I'm probably building that so that I can leave a patch of turf underneath it. This is just so that the turf will die off naturally anyway, but it gives me a, a relatively steady footing to work on. And this is so that as spring comes, as I'm spending more time outside, I've got a dedicated space to leave offerings. That's going to stay up all the time. I've also done my first, I guess, bit of witch, um, herbal witchery, which is... Um, so I noticed that I was running out of my normal cleansing spray. Now, I don't use cleansing sprays a lot. The cleansing spray is only there as a last stitch when I've got a lot of negative energy and I don't want to, I can't get rid of it any other way. The reason I don't use it a lot is the fact that I do have resident spirits and I do leave offerings out for them as well. I don't want to have to constantly be pushing them out to cleanse out the bad stuff. In fact, as a general rule, they tend to help me get rid of the bad stuff. Just sometimes it's a little bit big bad and we need... I need to use every tool in my arsenal, so I'm quite achieved with that. It's, it's a blend of um, tea tree and distilled water with some rosemary essential oil and thyme essential oil mixed in with actually a little bit of clove because I like the smell of clove. So that's working really, really well. What my goal is for next year, or should I say the year to come, is to be able to harvest enough that I can start not just drying my own herbs, that's one of my goals for this year. I need to make myself a set space to dry in and I think I've got that sorted now. 
but also I want to be able to make my own essential oils, which I understand is a totally different beast. And I'm still trying to find good instructions on how to do that. Obviously this year, now that spring's coming, I'll be starting to make my own alcohol-free mead. I know some people will say it's honey water, I really don't care. I plan to make the first batch of that around the time that I've got the cairn altar built, just so that I can go ahead and dedicate the altar with something decent for the for my deities because my plan is is that as much as the outside space is pans he's also aware that it's where i will worship every deity so that's sort of some rough updates of what i've been up to i know they're very rough very rough around the edge there's only one more thing that i should mention and that is that i'm also a joint yarl of a small growing pagan clan we are still small, we're still finding our feet, but once we've got our feet a bit more found, I'm certain that I'll also be letting people know about that and letting them know that if they want to join, to reach out to me. Finally, the one other thing that I want to make this year, the year of doing, is the year of making more of my own things for my craft. So, on Kofi, if you go to it, I have got a goal for candle making supplies. It does include pillar candle moulds, as well as the wax and tea light cases that I would need for making tea lights. I do prefer tea lights for tarot streams, but ultimately I want to get into making more of my own products for my craft. And also, if it got to a point where I was making enough, they would I would be happy to put them for sale. Now it's quite interesting because just as I was speaking, um, magpie's flown over and... I always associate magpies with Loki. Um, I hope he's not mobbing any jackdaws or crows because they're what I associate with Odin being in the UK. But no, I think I think he was just bumbling around. He was keeping an eye on me, I think. But no, I can tell that spring's come. I can tell that spring's coming. My energy's on the rise. And today, I'm actually quite excited because we're going out for a walk in the woods. But I'll let you know more about that later on. I might even record a few short vlog videos about that as well we'll have to see though i don't know which woods we're going to it could be an old favorite woods of mine or it could be a totally new area but stream popper's coming so i call charlie stream popper he's actually laid next to me he's pretty much double next to my side i don't know whether it's because he wants to have the bed that i'm sat on or otherwise but hopefully this has sort of let you know in a very garbled rough form fashion as to how how i've been what i've been up to I think starting to work with the new deities took a lot out of me because it takes a lot of work to actually prepare the altar space. One more amusing story though, this is a caution to anyone who works with Freya. If she wants flowers, make sure they're fresh. If she's not happy with them, she'll try and set them on fire. Don't do it. I may have had that situation where Freya decided she wasn't happy with the flowers and tried to set them on fire because I'd just lit her candle and she was like, yeah, no, I'm not happy with this. Don't worry, there was no big fire, I caught what was happening quickly enough, I snuffed the candle and took what was smouldering outside and stamped it out on stone. So yeah, everything was fine. But just a word of caution to y'all, just be careful because if Freya's not happy with something it gets a bit flamey in there. But other than that, thank you for listening. Um, I'm hoping to get a bit more regular with what I post and doing this podcast I've outlined my plans for it 
So, yeah. I guess this is the point where I come to closing the podcast. I want to thank you all who have stayed and kept listening, even after this unintentionally rather long hiatus. It wasn't intended at all. I've let you know a little bit of my plans for the podcast. I've let you know a little bit about what I've been up to. Hopefully, the next fortnight's full-length podcast will be a little less garbled, a little less chaotic. But... Until then, I do want to remind you about my Kofi. The link will be in the description because that's going to help me a lot. How is it going to help me, you may ask? Well, it's going to enable me to go ahead and hopefully, if I can get enough support, it's going to let me maybe dial back my hours at work or even leave my job entirely so I can focus more on doing what I love, which is creating this, creating my Twitch streams, and potentially even starting to produce content on YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel, right now the primary goal content is going to be mainly uploading in three days after the release of the podcast on here, it's going to be releasing the podcast again on the YouTube, now it is going to be a delayed release on that, but also I'll be doing random, I'll be doing other random videos on there as well, but... Remember, if you have enjoyed this podcast, it's very garbled, it was very random, it was very rambly, I had no real plans for this one. I just wanted to catch you all up mainly. Do please feel free to leave a review wherever you found it, if this is allowable, because it does encourage other people to see the podcast. And that is absolutely useful. And remember, Traveller. As you leave the circle of the firelight and you go back along the path, your path may wind, it may meander, you may be uncertain if you are safe or not, but you can always go and shelter where there's light, and you are always welcome back in the circle of the fire under the last oak tree. So may your travels be fruitful, may your travels be many, and may we meet again soon. But until then, fare you well, and blessed be on your journey wherever that may take you.